Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Joe Cook, and today I'm joined by Justin Wells. It is Thursday, November 10th, and today is the best day you could possibly decide to just subscribe and like this, subscribe to this channel and like this video. Uh, today, we are going to be going over Texas's upcoming game with the TCU Horn Frogs, a top 20 matchup and an opportunity for the Longhorns to notch their first win over a top five opponent at DKR since 1999 when uh, the Nebraska Cornhuskers came to town. I was at that uh, game. As a, as a result, with a bunch of uh, – with prime time and with a top five team in town, there's going to be a lot of recruits. Uh, so Justin and I will talk about that before giving our picks, and uh, hopefully I, it goes better for me than it has in the past two weeks. So – Justin, uh, Texas escaped one purple team. Now they got to face the, the the greater purple team this upcoming week. Yeah, yeah. This uh, TCU has been one of the stories of college football in twenty twenty. If you ask twenty twenty two, if you ask me, um, these you know, Sonny Dykes, new coach, you know, you know, moved about 20, 20 miles down the road. Decided he wanted to to go to a bigger conference and and main and maintain his footing in the Metroplex. Can't blame him, especially with the the, the talent that they had in Fort Worth. Um, <clears throat> this is a good team, Joe. I just don't know how good of a team. I think Saturday might be a really good indicator because it's hostile in, in Austin for the first time in a long time. That crowd in twenty this season has been really good and supportive and. It, it, I think it's only growing and getting better. You see it every other Saturday when you're up there. It's a, it's a, it's a great environment. And so the thing I've noticed about TCU is a lot of backup quarterbacks this year. And, and, and a lot of times they've been getting by on the skin of their teeth with a few, you know, a few of these games. And I figure, I feel like they, they finished. Texas has three losses this year, all by one possession, one, one score games. And, and that's kind of the difference in the two. Texas hasn't been able to get over that hump for, for the most part finishing until last Saturday at Kansas State, whereas TCU kind of has. And I actually think that's kind of the difference in the, both teams. And so um, it's the Gary Patterson Bowl. Uh, it's it's a narrative that's really not that real, but it's something that's fun. Uh, I, I told Bobby the other night, the only thing GP has to worry about is when he gets up and goes to the game on Saturday night, when he leaves, make sure he's in the right color. And I'm sure I'm sure Mrs. Patterson will make sure of that. But you you know this. This is huge. This is big, big, big matchup. Big time, uh, big time game. Game day is going to be there. Tons of recruits, man. And listen, TCU's coming in with some confidence, and and, and I think that's going to be the big key with, with Texas is getting that early that early push that they're so good at and maintaining. Yeah, and I, I'm glad you mentioned that TCU is able to finish because I think that really is attributable to one of the key aspects about that roster and that when you think about when coaches take over new programs, they usually come in to fix problems. Um, and TCU, it wasn't like they were in a disaster situation, but right. you know, Gary Patterson, his, his efficacy had waned over the course of the last couple seasons since that 2017 run to the Big 12 title. They had a lull. They had a lull, but their roster was still pretty healthy. Uh, and and I think Sonny Dykes did a great job of mostly keeping that roster together ahead yeah. of that first year, adding a couple pieces to where they have a ton of experienced players who have been at Fort Worth uh, for a long time, or have been in Fort Worth for a while. 
they run a very similar offensive system. So a lot of the reasons why, I mean, and of course, Sonny Dykes and his staff deserve a ton of credit for elevating uh, uh, the play yes. of a roster that hadn't been elevated in a, in a few years. But they walked into a very, very good environment, uh, a healthy roster situation, a lot of experience, and that experience plays on the field and plays on crunch time. And I don't think it's more evident than at that quarterback spot. You had at the beginning of the year, I think it was Chandler Morris, who I think at split time at best last year with, with Max Duggan. He wins a starting job. Chandler Morris goes down for one reason or another. And then, boom, here comes the Heisman candidate. And that just speaks to across the roster uh, the fact that they didn't really have a bunch of defections. They had guys stick around, and uh, Sonny Dykes was able to, to reap the benefits of it. And that applies on both offense and defense. Like, they've got some experienced guys. They're not superstars on the defense, but they got – experienced guys trevius hodges tomlinson comes to, comes to mind um the only real freshman i can really think of that that makes a lot of impact for this tcu team on either side is uh jordan hudson and he's part of the really strong receiver group so a lot of experience on this team contrast that with what uh, steve sarkeesian had to do uh one of the big storylines this year is about oh we got 30 something new players coming in that's not easy to do. When you can keep it all together, especially ahead of year one, I think that's a big reason, along with the Dykes coaching staff ability to elevate that roster, that's a big reason why TCU is doing as well as they are right now. And, you know, I, I, I compare it to the mid-2000s when the Dallas Cowboys had head coach Bill Parcells. In his last year, you know, they, they, they did well. Then they moved on to Wade Phillips. Bill, you know, Parcells had had his fix. He wanted to re-retire. They went on to Wade Phillips. They went from a dictator strict system to a pretty to the polar opposite of that. Pretty, you know, he was Mr. Moon Pie walking around with a little Debbie snack. Everybody kind of he, he let guys kind of come and go and go as they please. And it was a little bit more relaxing. What you get with that, Joe, in that first year, you still get the carryover of discipline that that deep that 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 that, that, that former coach had instilled what Gary Patterson had done at TCU. Dyke still gets that carryover. There's still some carryover there, especially on the defensive side with the intensity, with the work ethic, with the way they work. But Dykes is a lot more lax than Patterson is. And so you're getting some of the some of those guys kind of feeling more comfortable. I think it's the exact same situation that it was with Parcells to Wade Phillips. You're seeing that transit that transition. And you know, I'll be honest, I, I don't remember many people at the Big 12 Media Days clamoring for TCU. If anything, I think I remember a lot of people picking them pretty low in the conference. And I think that fueled a lot of their uh, their initiative this often and, and, and went out and proved themselves. And like you said, there's so much talent, especially on the offensive side. They have the best wide receiver core in the Big 12, one of the best in the country. Uh, they recruit East Texas religiously. They find under the, under the radar guys really well. They're still doing that. And so – I think that carryover from the Patterson regime, there's still some discipline there. There's still that intensity on defense. And then the offense is a little bit more open. There's a lot more stuff, a lot more moving parts going on. This is going to be a great test for Texas. I don't think just because beating a, the number four team in the college football playoff ranking would be huge. I think it's going to basically it, – it, it would almost be you – know, I would say vindication, but it would almost be, okay, Kansas State wasn't a fluke. Okay, they did get over that hump, and they did carry it to the next week. 
I think Bijan Robinson said after the after after the the K State game, we want to play an undefeated team. We want to face an undefeated squad. I think Quinn Ewers was mentioned as saying, "Hey, as soon as Oklahoma State, as you got on the flight and watched the video, you were thinking TCU or thinking Kansas State, and then as soon as Kansas State's over, what were they thinking TCU?" And so there, it's that move forward uh, mentality. It's just going to be a good test, Joe. It, it, it really will. We're going to see – it's going to be a good test for both. Mm-hmm. I think both – this game is going to tell us a lot about both teams. Right. I mean, I can't remember the last time there was a <clears throat> game at DKR that had not just Big 12 implications, but even college football playoff implications. I think in 2020 there was <clears> – <throat> Plenty of Big 12 implications, but none of the teams involved, especially Texas, weren't going to be playoff contenders. Right. 2019, I guess, if you wanted to say the uh, the LSU game, but that was before we even knew what LSU was or what Texas would be that year. You really have to go back to 2018, that West Virginia game where Dana said, you want to go win the game, then let's go win the game. That's the last time a, a contest that had legitimate playoff implications, at least for the West Virginia side of things, right. took place. Um, so it's, it's huge on that front. Um, I think as far as TCU goes, yeah, it, that it's a, it's a difference in how things are operated. Uh, Sonny Dykes is a lot more at home. I think at, in the Metroplex, uh, as opposed to in Berkeley, um, way more at home. Um, you know, they, you they knew still- he was happy when he didn't go to Lubbock because that job was his, that's where his father Spike Dykes went. You knew he was content and happy. When he took that, when he when he turned down that gig and just drove down the street, exactly. And and also he he made the right hires. I mean, he's got Garrett Riley as offensive coordinator. He's got Joseph Gillespie as defensive coordinator, and he kept Malcolm Kelly. And I think that's a good place to go to the next step. Is that that TCU the offensive core uh, led by their wide receiver group? Of course, Quentin Johnston, one time Texas commit. Uh, five-star guy, future first-round pick, future – I mean, he was already first-team All-Big 12, Bolitnikoff-level guy. Not really sure if he's going to be able to go at, at, at full strength this week. He's dealing with an ankle issue. Uh, but even if he's not, they have some guys around there who – around him who are just all-stars. Uh, you've got – so you have Quentin Johnston. Uh, you have 11th-year senior Tay Barber. Uh, you got Jordan Hudson, a uh, five-star freshman, I believe. And then you got yeah. Darius Davis. Like that's that's four right there that gives them likely the top front line of receiving group of receivers in the Big 12. Better than Texas, arguably, because Texas top two are great, but they're just two. That's four right there who've played a yeah. lot, either played a lot of college football and are really good at it, or are just really talented in showing that off earlier in their career. And you could make an argument, and this is just because, you know, we're, we have close ties to a lot of those staffers at TCU, so we t- we talked to them over the time. Quentin Johnston's the most athletically gifted receiver in that group. You know who the second one is? Savion Williams. I forgot this kid, him. Is, this kid has been tremendous, and we've seen that. He grew up in Marshall, Texas. I've seen that growing up for years. TCU stole him, Joe. How they collected this group of receivers, Max Duggan has to wake up saying prayers and Hail Marys every morning. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely the strength of their team. Not a whole lot going on at tight end, and that's no slight to former Longhorn Jared Wiley. It just kind of, you know, shows that the strength that is, is is the receiver group. And um, they're, they're also helped out a lot by um, their running back, Kendra Miller, another East Texas guy's Mount Enterprise, right? Not too right. far down the road. 2A. 2A school making it at TCU. And I think there was this thought that, you know, Zach Evans leaves, goes to Ole Miss. Oh, no, you know, TCU just lost the highest-rated guy that ever signed. Man, Kendra Miller made losing Zach Evans seem like not much of a loss. <laughs> he played great this year, already over 1,000 yards. Um, is part of the what Steve Sarkeesian called a two-headed monster running attack that involves him and Duggan. Uh, he's been, you know, tremendous this year, and it's helped – you know, basically uh, the, what is an air raid offense right. used the ground game a little bit more than they probably would have anticipated just because of how well he's played. No, that's it. Kendra Miller is a bowling ball of knives. Uh, his, his legs are are, are are trap size. I mean, this guy is just he, – he, he's from the mud, and he's one of those kids that, that you just – two A's, it's hard to find a, a big-time kid in, at a low level like two, 1A and 2A, and Mount Enterprise might have 800 people in their town. But uh, I guarantee you half of them are, are, are friends or family of Kendra Miller, and they're pulling for that kid. What a, He's a, just a tremendous kid. I'm with you. I thought losing Zach Evans, I knew Miller would be a decent back. I had no idea it would be this early or this effective. Um, but that's just give them – give it, you got to give those guys credit. You know, we know a guy over there that's doing a lot of recruiting right now. I think they have a top 25-ish recruiting class right now, in, which would be the – one of the highest they ever signed. And one of the recruiting guys in Brian Carrington, uh, a lot of Texas fans remember BC. Uh, he was Mr. Shish. Uh, he did, he, he did a lot of good stuff for, for the horns while he was here. And, and now he's over there trying to work his magic in Fort Worth. And it's getting, it's getting those Kendra Miller, Quentin Johnston, Savion Williams type kids. And then you steal a Jordan Hudson. Uh, that, that one was tremendous too. Do you think, is there, a, is the weakness, the offensive line, because I don't think it's as solid as it's been in the past, but yet they always seem to find at least a couple guys that were better than serviceable, that were usually, you know, monsters in the pit and, and played really well all-conference level. Yeah, I think it's your standard Big 12 experienced offensive line. They don't have any guys who are probably going to be shooting up draft boards um, in the near future, but they have guys who are good at what they do and allow that offense to to do what they do. And I think that's the key matchup, honestly, Yeah, is, you know, I, I, there's going to be a lot of focus on a strong wide receiver group versus a, you know, Texas defensive back group that's been up and down, I think, to be nice to it, um, especially in the middle of the field. But that that not not just the front four, but like the front six. I think that's the big matchup there. Can guys like Keandre Coburn, Tavondre Sweat, uh, Alfred Collins, Moro Ojimo, can all that crew, Byron Murphy, can they make life difficult uh, for the TCU offense and that offensive line specifically? Can Jalen Ford continue to play maybe like the Big 12 defensive player of the year 
uh, as he has so far. And can uh, DeMarvin Overshun continue to track guys the way he has uh, when he's just got C-ball hit balls? I, I think that's the matchup because if they're able to do that, that kind of pigeonholes somewhat what TCU is able to do. Now, granted, right. with those receivers – that's fine. That's a that's a that's a trade off. I'm sure Sonny Dykes and Garrett Riley would take and say, "Look, if we got to whip the ball all around, this is the quarterback, and these are the guys to do it with." Uh, but I, I I think you know we've seen Texas be very adept at stopping the run this year, especially with that defensive line. Uh, we nobody's. I don't think there's been a single hundred yard rusher on them. Teams have tabulated or tallied a hundred plus yards. Uh, but no one player has individually gotten 100 yards. I, I don't really see that changing, to be honest. I, I think that they'll still be able to do that. This game's going to come down to whether guys like Ryan Watts, Deshaun Jameson, uh, Jade Barron, uh, Anthony Cook, Michael Taff, Jaron Thompson, whether they're going to be able to hold up their end of the deal um, and limit an offense that's been pretty explosive throughout the course of the season. It's 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 like I said earlier, it, it's going to be a really good test and indicator of both programs. Is TCU the team we think they might be this year? They come into Austin and, and put it on Texas. That 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 thing's going to get rubber stamped. They're probably going to be cl- even closer to keeping that number four spot in the playoff. On the other side, if Texas comes out with a W, you and I have experienced over the last 72 hours a ton of recruiting momentum a ton of moving pieces and parts in this class of 2023, a Texas win only, you know, shoots radiation and and it goes nuclear if they can do that in front of all those big recruits that are coming in for this weekend. And so that's my favorite thing. It's not that it's just primetime game day, a lot of recruits, a lot on the line. It's we're going to find out if Texas is that team that we thought they might be this year, because it does look like, I'm going to say this, and I didn't think this at the beginning of the year, I do think Texas might be the most talented team in the conference. And I think if they were, you know, if they had a little bit of what TCU was doing this year in that finish department, these two teams might be both in the top ten coming into this game. But it is what it is right now. This game is going to be an exposure game. There's going to be a lot of things revealed. And I just hope GP has been sneaking into the defensive rooms a few times a day, just talking about, hey, hey, you know, I recruited that kid, and here's his tendencies. Hey, I know that kid right there, and I know his girlfriend, and here's some of those tendencies. Like, I want GP d- just getting it, delivering it. And, and if he's got to go oh, like, leech on him, I, you know, fat girlfriend, da 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 do what you got to do. But um, oh, to me, man. it's going to be – That's a good one. I, I, I wasn't going to use those words, but I, I do think that's a good point. You know, Gary Patterson can watch film and be like, Ah, that guy, you know, and I've said this, I think, on a bunch of different platforms. And I know Scipio Tex put it in his preview early this morning. Uh, he basically has said that, you know, hey, Gary Patterson, he can watch a Team A's offensive lineman have trouble with the bull rush. But Gary Patterson can watch TCU's offensive lineman and say, look, I tried to teach that guy for three straight years how to handle a bull rush, and he couldn't do it. Now, there's a chance that Sonny Dykes – and his staff got it together, and that'd be a credit to them. Right. But there's inter, there's in-depth, uh, you know, intimate knowledge of that roster. Uh, basically, mo- I'd say probably 80 of the 85 uh, that t- that Gary Patterson has from being hands-on and coaching them, that that's going to be, be extremely important 
what he's able to relay, not just to Pete Kwiatkowski, but to Steve Sarkeesian, too, Absolutely. throughout the course of this week. I'm with you. So um, the important thing is uh, the game, obviously. Second most important thing is probably who's going to be there watching the game. Uh, and Texas, you know, obviously they had a bunch of visitors in town uh, for the Alabama game uh, way back in September. Haven't had a really big home game since then. Um, of course, Arch Manning was in town for the Iowa State game, but that's, you know, uh, Iowa State is who they are. They're, they're Iowa State. They're not the top five team. Uh, they're not a college football playoff contender, and that game was not at primetime at 6.30. This one is national TV, all the bells and whistles, game day. And as a result, Texas is bringing in probably its biggest uh, recruiting you know, group since that Alabama game, maybe even bigger than that. And I think there's a handful of guys that we need to talk about uh, because of just how tremendously important they will be or could be to this 2023 class. Two of them are on, or three of them are on unofficials, or excuse me, three of them are on officials. One that I'm thinking of is on an unofficial, and I think that's the guy we need to start with. And it's a guy you saw really, uh, really recently, yesterday even, in Denton Ryan linebacker Anthony Hill. Uh, he was a guy that Texas and, <clears throat> let's see, Texas, USC, Oklahoma, Alabama, and Texas A&M. Those are his last five and ended up being the last two of Texas A&M and Texas. Took an official visit to Texas, I think, sometime in June. Saved his A&M official for the season. Um, and during the dueling pool parties at the end of July, uh, Anthony Hill <clears throat> decided to go to Texas A&M that weekend, ended up committing there. Um, and then on Monday, after you know watching nine games of Aggie football that include only three wins, he decided to back off of his pledge. Reports had come out that he was going to visit Texas even before he had backed off his pledge. And now he arrives this weekend in Austin as an uncommitted prospect. This one is uh, one of the big ones in this class, number 18 in the on-three consensus, as you can see right there, number one linebacker in the country. And Justin, a guy who uh, he's – He's been going through this process for a while and decided that uh, it was time to maybe give it another go. What do you what did you hear from Anthony and, and just how important is this weekend in the process of uh, maybe locking up a commitment from five star linebacker Anthony Hill? Joseph, I got to tell you, Anthony Hill remains one of my favorite kids. He's like you said, he's been recruited since he's 14, 15 years old. And so we've gone, we've done this song and dance for, for a long time. And, and Anthony's a pro at this. He's so mature. He's so level-headed. You know, he, he's, he keeps everything at a pretty even kill. I give his parents a ton of credit. His dad is an outstanding man, and, and they do a great job with him and his little brother, Landon. Anthony, I was lucky yesterday. Anthony's going to be out this week. Uh, Friday, they play Red Oak in the first round of the playoffs, Den Ryan. Uh, Anthony's not going to play. He's been de dealing with a deep thigh bruise since basically week two. And he's kind of been pushing through it most of the season. And so the coaches decided, you know what, let's let you heal up, hopefully get past Red Oak, and then you can be prepared for the, for the next week. Well, that allowed me a good hour of just chatting with Anthony, just off the record, getting, you know, shooting it up, just talking, talking. And a few things I gathered from it. One, I, I, I think he still really likes A&M. I think I, I, I understand now why he committed to Texas A&M. He really got close to that defensive staff. And I think the decline of the defense is what's really caught their attention. 
because they noticed they, you know, they played well earlier in the year, but it just seems some of the culture may not be up to up to par, especially with a lot of the young guys that are in the program now. And I, you know, and I think Anthony's leery of surrounding himself with kids like that. And so he decided to reopen it. He was still, you know, he still spoke highly of, of AM, but that's Anthony. He's not going to be a negative kid. He's damn sure not going to be negative on the record. He's not going to say bad things about the school he, just, he had been committed to. And that's one reason I respect him. But he didn't know how many people, and I think this was almost naive, that he didn't realize how many schools were going to reach back out to him to a point where he couldn't mess with his phone for two days. For 48 hours, it was complete anarchy. And his father, Anthony Sr., dealt with the same thing. What Anthony does is he wants to put himself in the best position to go to the NFL. And that's playing linebacker at, at, at the college level at a place that needs it. And he knows he can be one of those special kids that can not only shoot gaps and, and, and have good, you know, good controlled, uh, you know, key, reading keys, things of that sort. But this is a kid that can also cover in space. And so he's looking for a place that he can play linebacker early. He can get some, some, some early playing time. And, and most five stars kind of they, they bring that mentality. Um. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. The thing, I, I think Texas is in a fantastic position. Like you said, it was down to A&M in Texas, and I even asked him that yesterday. I said, Texas was the runner-up. Was that significant? And he said, absolutely. And I said, you know, what is it about Texas this year that's kind of kept your attention? He's like, well, they always stayed in touch. Even after he had committed, Texas, uh, Texas stayed in touch, which is essential. It's what I've been writing about lately, about Sark playing the long game on a lot of these recruitments. And so at the end of the day, Anthony – he told me he doesn't know when he's going to make a decision. He just knows that Georgia is back to blowing him up. Alabama, Ohio State has his attention. He sees the development that they're doing up there in Columbus with linebackers. He may take a visit up there. Nothing's scheduled right now. It's to be determined. But he's looking at a visit up there. But I think Texas is in the driver's seat. And I'll say this much. If Texas beats TCU on Saturday and they do it in a pretty strong fashion, I – think the horns look even better over the next week and he's an early enrollee he told me he's got about four or five weeks to make a decision and he said you know what it's probably going to come down to him just a feeling of him just kind of knowing he doesn't want to put a date or a time or anything like that he knows he's got to make a call pretty quickly and and, he, and he's going to do that and it's only going to be a handful of schools that are still in it but right now getting him back on campus is big joe uh, it's really big because it's a need position it's a guy that, like I said, everybody in the country has recruited this kid for four years. I think he's a program, a great program type kid. He's going to be a yes, sir, no, sir, show up. And I had no idea the amount of Longhorns that he's close to. I mean, we knew Jatavian Sanders and Austin Jordan and Ryan Watts. He actually grew up playing a lot of uh, ball with, with Watts, uh, with True Buzz. And they, they've known each other since, I think he said, fifth, sixth grade. And so – Savion Red has been calling him, who he's buddies with. Xavier Bryce has been blowing him up, who, who's buddies with. He knows a lot of these cats. 
And at, I think the key is Chris Gilbert. You know, I asked him about Coach Sark and Coach PK, and he said he loves what the defense is doing. He loves – he sees some development and improvement at the linebacker position. He wants to see that firsthand on Saturday. But th- to me, I think that's probably going to be that biggest key is it, just how well there's an adjustment there and how well, uh, you know, he can see himself fitting in in, in that system. And, and <laughs> I think my favorite part was – him telling me how upset his little brother Landon was when he originally committed to AM. And I said, you know, why? He goes, Justin, he loves Texas. He said he was crying. He was upset. That kid was unhappy. And so he is definitely, he's not the only heel fired up to get to Austin on Saturday, Joe. This is a big recruitment. Yeah. And <clears throat> Matthew, our producer, has these uh, highlights playing on the screen right now. And as you can see right now, he's got some running back going, and that that's pretty cool. I mean, he he grew up playing sudden, running back. Yeah. You see all that suddenness on on defense, and it's pretty cool to see it reflect on offense. And you know, this is Denton Ryan. They're one of the top programs in five A. I think they're still five A. They have enough guys to where if you're talented enough, they they can just play on one side of the ball. But if you're talented enough to do both at Denton Ryan, that says a lot. And Anthony Hills, obviously, that. We got a huge visitor list over on Inside Texas. You can go check that out. The the picture of DeAndre Moore uh, in the cowboy hat. That's the uh, the where you will find that visitor list. A lot of commits coming in town, both 2023 and 2024. Um, but I think there are three official visitors that we got to do real quick tidbits on. We'll start with Moore. Um, Texas is only has they're they're struggling at wide receiver numbers right now. They have really good quality guys and uh, Ryan Niblett and and uh, Jonte Cook, one from Houston, one from the Dallas area. But they need another, maybe even two, and who knows where that second one will come from. But another that they're looking at, at least right now, is DeAndre Moore, Louisville commit, St. John Bosco out in California, um, has Georgia on him, has uh, you know a couple different schools on him. Uh, what does this one look like? Um, does the fact that he's still a Louisville commit make much of an impact on on this one, or is he just pretty open as can be? This kid is um, – listen, yeah, DeAndre Moore's commi- he committed to Louisville. His quarterback in high school at, at, at St. John Bosco is Pierce Clarkson, who's also committed to Louisville. So I think there was a little bit of a, a comfort, a tie there as well. I do not expect him to sign with Louisville whatsoever. I think it's down to Texas and Georgia, and I really I think Texas probably has him as the priority coming in this weekend, which is saying a lot because Jaden Greathouse is also going to be on campus, and and like you said, they're going to definitely take one more receiver, and they're definitely going to take one from the portal. If they if the opportunity came to get more and Greathouse, I think that would be a, a conversation that would be worth listening to because there's a chance that that would happen. But look, get more on campus. He just visited Georgia. If Georgia pushes. It's hard to see him not going to Athens. I mean, if they push, but he's already been to Texas once. He really likes Sark. He really likes Coach Mary, and he loves what this offense can do. He sees what uh, fellow Cali man, uh, Cali native Xavier Worthy is doing on a regular basis. More probably sees a lot of himself in, in Worthy in that regard. And so this one's big as well. Uh, Texas is big game hunting right now. With all this recruiting momentum, they had built these relationships over the last year or two with these kids. And now it's a perfect storm of A&M and OU's mediocrity and, and the opportunity for a few of these bigger names to come in. DeAndre Moore is a kid you got to pay attention to. We'll know much more about this situation probably around Sunday or Monday when he gets home. 
The other two, uh, let's start with the five-star, Deuce Robinson from Pinnacle uh, High School in Phoenix, Arizona. Decent baseball player, too. Uh, Kind of an interesting recruitment here, considering Texas has two tight ends committed, one Arch Manning's teammate, Will Randall, the other Spencer Shannon uh, from a place where Steve Sarkeesian loves to go and college coaches around the country love to go. Uh, And Spencer Shannon goes to modern day. Uh, But Deuce, five-star guy, battling Georgia and USC, um, you'd have to think that Jatavian Sanders having a big year, probably the best Texas tight end years in, I don't know, 15, 20 years has to help here. But it uh, seems like Texas may be fighting a little bit of an uphill battle here for the number one tight end, uh, basically across the board, across the entire industry. Yeah, this one, I, I, I'm i not holding my breath. Listen, Deuce Robinson is a kid that you take him any opportunity you get. I don't care if you have 10 tight ends in your class. Take Deuce. He's number 11 then because he's that kind of he's that kind of talent. But the truth is, Georgia and USC are, are, I think, miles ahead of the pack. Now, we've seen in the past a visit to Texas can change some kids minds, especially out of state. And all Bijan has to kind of you can get a fellow Arizonian to come in and and, and talk up about the virtues of, of, of instead of going further west, heading about east a little bit more but not too far east you know stopping about the in the austin travis county city uh area but 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 at the end of the day this one's going to be tough georgia is tied in you right now with blake bowers and, and darnell mcdonald they're fantastic they're only getting better i like georgia right now and usc's playing tremendous football too and and deuce is a guy that you put him in that system at, at usc and he probably flourishes day one and so i'm not holding my breath on this one Texas is going to shoot their shot, which is what they're supposed to do. But at the end of the day, I, I this one's I'm, I'm I'm not as strong on that one. I think it's Bowers and I think it's Washington, maybe. Or Darnell Washington, yes, I said McDonald. That, that, that dude is Darnell Washington, six seven, two eighty five. He is almost as big as LeBron James playing college football. And he, that's wild. God, I didn't even think about that. But yeah, Robinson. Uh, one of the you know best tight end prospects if if, te- if it happens for Texas, I'm sure there'll be over the moon. And man, that may be the one of the best position groups in the entire country. If not, you still have uh, Spencer Shannon, who I think if uh, you've watched his film, tenacious blocker. That's his best attribute oh. right now. Um, oh, he he he. Once he gets you, he's got you. Still has some ways to go receiving. And of course, Will Randall, fortunately out for the year, uh, had a knee injury earlier this season, but. Uh, Texas hopes to, to get him healthy and uh, have him there to catch passes from Arch Manning in the in the coming years. So and we got one more official visitor before we'll make our pick. Marcus Deal, uh, defensive lineman, I think, from the Dallas area. Garland uh, Naaman Forrest, uh, O-line, D-line, plays a little both. I believe on three has him categorized as an interior offensive lineman. This is the Marcus Deal Bowl, essentially, because it's down to Texas and TCU. And so this is going to be this. This will be a big indicator of where they of where deal might go. Uh, our Jerry Hamilton has been tremendous on that recruitment. He he's been he's had that top to bottom. I like where Texas stands. I like where TCU stands. Yeah, this game might be the actual tiebreaker in the deal household. So it'll it, it'll be interesting. I know this. the The family likes him to stay closer to home, and and it's you know, Garland to Austin isn't necessarily far, but Garland to Fort Worth really isn't that far and so i i don't don't overlook that factor i think the mom likes him being close maybe as close as possible hey 
That's what mamas do. They love their boys. And so at the end of the day, this game might be the tiebreaker for Marcus Dillon. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Absolutely. And of course, there's a bunch of unofficial guys, 2023, even some uncommitted ones like Javi and Toviano. Yeah, I was about to say, let's light, lightning round them. Javi and Toviano, huge getting this dude on campus. I mean, he could trademark, I'm coming to Austin in a few weeks, as many times as he's used it in the last nine months. Uh, Jaden Greathouse, another big one. This is a kid that I, I don't want to say he's a soft Notre Dame pledge, but the Irish are a little worried about this, and Texas is feeling a little bit more confident, and they just flipped his teammate Colton Voschick 24 hours ago. And so Jaden Greathouse being on campus along with Voschick, I mean, essentially half a quarter of Westlake High School is going to be in the stands, and I think that's also a, a big deal. Colin Simmons, number one edge, 2024, is going to be on campus. Michael Uni, number one, probably number one or number two offensive tackle in the country is going to be on campus. Um, it's big, Joe. It, it's bigger than – it's, I think, about 24, 25, 26 names on the list right now. We expect it to get to probably 30, 35. Just keep checking at InsideTexas.com. If you have to go there every five or ten minutes to refresh, we completely understand. We, we don't mind that the roster is – it's fluid, it's moving. But, yeah, to, to wrap up recruiting, the game is big, and, buddy, that visitor list is just as big. All right, it's time for picks. My least favorite part of this show at this point because <laughs> you're five and three. Or actually, no, you are. You did. You, you pulled even last week. I thought. No, you're six and three, and I'm three and six because you picked Texas minus three. That hit. I picked K State plus three. Uh, that did not hit, and I'm on a three game losing streak. So you have the same record against the spread as the Longhorns this year. Um, with a couple uh, – with I think we had one or two non-Texas games mixed in there. Yeah. Uh, but then we decided to get back on track. So you're 6-3. and three, I'm 3-6. Three and six. Currently checking out Bovada. The Longhorns are a touchdown favorite at home at night against the number four team in the country. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Do you think they, uh, do you think they cover the seven? You know, I, I read something yesterday that out in California, you can no longer take TCU plus seven. You never could. You could do some they, other things that they, uh, the good people of the, uh, you know, California Republic decided to vote on, but they did not vote for sports wagering. So, yeah, they, they, you couldn't get that. I think that's hilarious. Um, I think the reason Texas is favored by a touchdown is the home field. If this was in Fort Worth, I think TCU probably probably minus two or maybe a field goal. But I do think the crowd does factor into it. Um, I don't think Texas covers the spread. I do think this is going to be a close game because every other game they've played has been a close game. Like Texas doesn't get blown out and they don't necessarily blow out people. Well, they do for halves, but that doesn't count. And so um, – I don't think Texas covers. I think they go up early just because they're going to have the, the the emotion, the raw emotion, and they played so well in the first half. It's always going to be about 
getting off the field on defense, maybe forcing some turnovers in the second half and leaning on Bijan and Rashawn in the run game to, to kind of hopefully wrap it up and, and, and get the save at the end. I don't think Texas covers. I do have Texas winning, which will be uh, in, in my uh, in the Inside Texas roundtable tomorrow. But, no, I, I think this is a field goal game, Joe. Yeah, I'm with you. I think Texas wins. I had I had Texas losing last week and then winning out, which would not have done much for their Big 12 title chances. Um, and I, I don't see any reason to change that. I really think Texas wins this game. I don't think it'll be by seven. Um, it, it seems like it'll be a field goal game or a six-point yeah. game, something weird like that. But I, I feel like the the long the, there's such an even matchup in a lot of different places to where Absolutely. that home field night advantage comes through. And uh, something I wanted to mention earlier, I think this is a game where Quinn Ewers does his part. We're, we all know Bijan's going to get his 25 touches. We all know they're going to try to find Jadavian Sand. I think Quinn Ewers does some stuff in this game uh, that maybe isn't his exactly his coming out party because people wanted that to be Alabama, but it lasted for a quarter. Uh, but I think he does good stuff in this game to where he's responsible for winning the game as opposed to just kind of being involved like he was at Kansas State and right. arguably contributing significantly to the loss at Oklahoma State. So, all right, Justin. All right, we'll see if we can both improve our record here. Uh, if that happens, you know, I'm not going to gain a game on you, but you're doing well against the spread, and I am not. So, well, just understand, you know, disclaimer if there was any money wagered or involved, would be it, would, it would be flipped. You yeah, would be the, you would be the six and three. I'd be the three and six. But as we stand, I'm the six and three. So I'm sort of like Texas. You're three and six. So you're sort of like A and M. And that's where we're at today. <laughs> All right, uh, for Matthew Hutchinson, our producer. Thank you so much for watching. Make sure you like this video. Subscribe to on Texas football. Uh, we got great stuff coming here. Basically every single day, including post game. Uh, analysis, everything you would want from here. Trey Elling always brings it with some interesting guests Love it. Um, and interesting conversation. Uh, so for Justin Wells, I'm Joe Cook. Thank you so much. Make sure you subscribe also to Inside Texas. Check us out on InsideTexas.com. And thank you again for watching.